diverse poetry scene. Poets using their voices to entertain, to move, to take you on a journey. Connecting you to grassroots poetry and performance. Welcome to the Spoken Word Show on 3CR Community Radio. My name is Brendan Bonsack. 3CR broadcasts from Wurundjeri land in the Kulin Nation, stolen land. We pay our respects to elders past and present. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Today on the show we have two poets from two different hemispheres of the world. We'll hear from Bikshani Weisbrot from Queens in New York and Rose Lumbarker Crane from much closer to our neighbourhood here in Fitzroy. On the 3CR website, 3cr.org.au forward slash spoken dash word, we welcome contributions of poetry or stories from our listeners. And our first poem comes to us via that website, all the way from Queens in New York, by the writer Bikshani Weisbrot. Bikshani is a co-editor of Happiness, the Delight Tree, an anthology of contemporary international poetry honouring the International Day of Happiness. That brings together poets from 67 countries with poems in 35 different languages and is on March 20th every year. Bikshani's work has also recently appeared in On Human Flourishing, a poetry anthology. And the piece we are about to play is called A Personal History of Guns in Seven Acts, written in response to the proliferation of shootings in the United States. A Personal History of Guns in Seven Acts. Act One. Technically, we were a weaponless family, except for the souvenir knife my father brought from Saipan, unguarded atop the piano nothing in the basement being off-limits. It was rusty and old, and I played with it often, aware this was never mentioned or thought to be odd. Act Two. For one summer at my synagogue day camp, I flailed in helpless wonder as I learned to swim, felt the tensility of a bowstring before the arrow hit its mark but my mother angrily forbade riflery and took it up with the rabbi. Embarrassed, but secretly relieved, at 10 years old, I was afraid to lie on my stomach and take aim. I was afraid to touch a gun. Act three. Years after the fact I learned my father, a security guard at Pathmark, had lost his job and subsequent pension, not because of age discrimination, 
but because under a new ruling, he had refused to carry a gun. At four, sipping coffee after breakfast in a South African parking lot, I watch white men with machine guns and padded vests emerge from their bulletproof brinks and form a circle around me. Above, from our hotel balcony, a few from an elite football team look on. Act five, bored and recalcitrant on my first day of grand jury duty in Brooklyn, I'm sitting through screening questions. When asked, do you own a registered firearm? This being felony appropriate. More than a dozen hands go up. Among them are young women. I feel so naive. Act six. After the recent shootings in my neighborhood, bouquets of plastic flowers and candles rimmed the edge of Goose Pond Park. They were young, it was drug-related, not from the area. This is what we heard, and we asked nothing more. Act seven, final. I tell myself it is best to end with a prayer. Otherwise, I may lose my courage or forget to be wise. I may forget to love the beauty of this world. Become a 3CR subscriber today. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 03-9419-8377. Be a part of your community radio station. You are on 3CR Spoken Word on Community Radio 855am or perhaps streaming from 3cr.org.au. Prior to that announcement, we heard the voice of Bikshani Weisbrot with a poem called A Personal History of Guns in Seven Acts. Bikshani is from Queens in New York and sent us that piece via our website at 3cr.org.au forward slash spoken dash word. And if you would like to contribute some of your own words to the show, please do get in touch. Our next poem is by Rose Lumbarker Crane, who dropped into the 3CR studios earlier this week to share some of her work. Rose is a multidisciplinary artist and natural therapist working in the Fitzroy area. Here she is reading a poem called Trams and Wishes. On the tram I sit. At the windows, the fellow travellers look. They look up high into the horizon sky. Is it a memory of a distant land? that they are looking at, or are they just thinking that? Is it a hint of a place, warmer, softer, lighter and brighter? Is that what they are looking at? Or do I just want to think that? I would rather look at and think about how it could be. An invitation came from the distant land with words kind and caring, bringing with it answers to solve some problems. It was speaking of new ways of being and thinking. Who speaks these words to me? Are they from distant shores? Or are they from my mind and how I feel? 
So I look at the strangers on their seats on the tram, looking, dreaming of how they want it to be. They look tired of the questionable behaviour of others from work or home. So maybe in silence they could look to the horizon sky, which looks so far away, and make a decision to find a way for their hopes and dreams for their lives, and all while escaping with their minds on the trams while making their wishes. Thank you, Rose. And welcome to the program. Thank you. It's very nice that you're having me here. How did that poem come about? Um, I think I just observing people on trams and how they would actually look out the window. I think most people on trams, part if they're looking at their mobile phones (laughs) these days, you know, they're looking for solutions to find problems. Have you been writing poetry for a long time? Oh, probably about six years. I think after I met this poet, Irish poet, and I met him a couple of times when he came to Melbourne, and then I just started writing. Do you read a lot of poetry? I read lots of things. Um, Yeah, I read some poetry, some short stories. I also read um, about Buddhist philosophy which is about the science of your own mind and how to change it for the better and to train the mind. So that's probably why, I mean, I used to go to India and do Buddhist retreats, but it's also about for meditation as a great coping tool for life. You know, a lot of things that happen in a life. Yeah. When you do start to meditate, there will be thoughts that come up because the thoughts are stored in our subconscious mind and in our body. And that includes emotions, repressed emotions. So when you start to um, meditate, at times the thoughts become more. So it's like, it could be a thought that, oh, I've got to check the phone or I've got to do something on the computer or any habit that you may have, or a emotion that you thought you were over, <laughs> and it's come back, you know. And then, so it's retraining the mind to allow the thought to come up, and then some say to watch it like a cloud, or observe the thought, where does that thought come from, if you want to analyse the thought and then um, and then let it go when it's time to let it go, you know. But Buddhist philosophy um, is a great philosophy because it's about the science of your own mind, your own thoughts and your own emotions, you know. So, you know, I'm, I'm still practising it. Like... I decided that I'm going to this week practice practice non-judgment. Non-judgment of, it could be anything. It could be how people dress, what they say, what they do. So it's a practice. <laughs> I'm not perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I would imagine not many people are. Because no. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an inbuilt thing, isn't it, yeah. in, in, in the human mind? Yeah, yeah. Would there be a link? 
between, you know, the process of writing poetry and the process of meditating? Definitely. Because when you're in a quiet state of mind, things become clearer. Because I'm observing what is happening and the natural world or if I'm observing people. And it's almost like, it's like getting messages from the natural world. In shamanism, it's like the animals and, and nature has a subliminal message for us. And it's just tuning into that, into that space. And it's just trusting that process. It's what needs to be come out for either myself or for, you know, the wider community. And is that a big part of meditation, you know, being an observer? It's like you're observing your breath and you're feeling your breath and you're observing your th- thoughts. It's like the mind watching the mind. And I think poetry comes from that also. You're observing and, and then trusting what's coming up. When you write... Does it just come out of you? What's I do your... edit because <laughs> I'm dyslexic. So I have to redo the sentences around because that one sentence doesn't really go there. It goes above. So like I have to, yeah, really, like I'll sometimes I'll spontaneously write it and then I need to edit it, you know, and then like I leave the poem for a little while and then I go back to it and I think, oh, my God, I really need to change that or, you know, improve it and, you know, until I'm happy, you know. And that's how it should be for most artists. It's they're the ones that have to be happy with the work. In that poem you talk about looking for new ways of being and thinking. Yeah. I think when people go through stressful periods in their life, they l- may look and search for answers to better their life, you know, to make it easier. If they're seekers, they would automatically do it. So, And I think that's a good thing because then you're finding the, you're looking for the truth. Do you mind if I go back to, say, your journey when you first began, mm. you know, meditating or mm. going on retreats and that sort of thing? Yes. Was it difficult at the beginning? I've never really found meditation difficult. I think because when I was young, I spent a lot of time in silence. It's probably more difficult at, at times when there's a lot of personal challenges that are happening. Like a lot of people said the lockdown was really difficult. I found the lockdown quite easy, but I think a lot of artists, because they spend a lot of time creating their art on their own. So they're in that sort of space and that zone. And I also did a lot of yoga and, you know, meditation and I would walk and create and, and do other things and work, you know, from home. And do you do any other kinds of art? I do sculpture mm-hmm. um, and paint. And is it a similar type of process? Do you find it a meditative process? It is. If I'm working intuitively, and some of my sculptures are created intuitively, I'm in that zone. And even when I think I'm working representational, I'm 
getting into a state of meditation when I'm just painting away. It feels like peaceful. There's no like conflict between different parts of the mind. And it's just single focus point of work. It's like being in flow. Throughout October, Vaka is hosting a series of rainbow yarning workshops for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities. The workshops will include guest speakers presenting on a range of topics for LGBTIQA communities and support services. To take part, visit the Victorian Aboriginal Childcare Agency's Facebook page to register. The Victorian Aboriginal Childcare Agency is a 3CR supporter. You are listening to The Spoken Word Show on 3CR Community Radio. My name is Brendan Bonsack, and I'm chatting with the local writer and natural therapist, Rose Lumbarker-Crane. Would you like to read another poem? Oh, sure. Okay. So this one is called People Could Be the Birds. Only if people could be the birds... How to be like the birds, with wings spread far and wide, expansive and higher planes they fly. To be free as if I had wings, so I could fly with my mind, liberation and peace. The bird would say to me, for that is how I would rather be. Be free with your love, my dear, for you are not caged because that is what is meant to be. Make accessible the doors of your heart, thought and place, for it is love and skillful means with wisdom and grace that opens the doors of hearts of others and yours. But be wise of who you allow into your heart and mind. So I start with a salute to the sun, with heart and arms wide open as if they were wings, to receive the seeds from a seed hat, dropping into my arms and into my mind with thoughts of possibilities and peace. For the birds would rather see you happy and content, and then that is just the beginning of good to come. How do those auspicious, shiny blackbirds know? How do they know? Because they told me so as they are the messengers of wiser ones. But not only with their beaks they speak, but also through their eyes, for they can see the darkness and sadness of the minds of many. So I listen to the auspicious, black shiny birds, as they know such things for the better of me and thee. What is it, do you think, that's in us that makes us believe that the birds are speaking to us? Because we're one with nature and it's also the messages they say. The birds are the in shamanism and also in other spiritual practices. Birds are the messengers but also animals are the messengers, you know, and they all have different message for us depending on what we need at the time. It's a way of 
connecting to our true self, you know, rather than being caught up in the illusion of the world and all its trappings of, um, you know, thinking we need this or thinking we need that or we're caught in the illusion of someone else's illusion, you know, influenced by their someone else. The world would have been very different. Uh, you know, we live in a city, there's far fewer birds than there would have been, you know, even 100 years ago. Yeah. Like uh, with the fires that happened a few years ago, there were millions of animals and birds that died. That's just tragic. That's a huge tragedy, isn't it? Yeah. And it's something like, that uh, it's something that people just kind of brush off Yeah, as a statistic, but it's so incredibly catastrophic. Yes. Sometimes all we have to do is listen to a bird and it just changes our focus from what's happening within or I feel really sad or this is happening to me or this is, you know, my life's just crap or whatever to something that's better. Or bigger than yourself. Yeah. In Buddhism, the Buddha would say, go and spend time in nature because it's the biggest healer because it grounds you and it centers you and you just go out and you and it it heals you how did you get into natural therapy i'm a qualified massage therapist and that's how i started doing was doing massage which i still do every so still do and um from there i was working in a clinic in the city with a brazilian lady and she was more into the healing and shamanism. And then I, then I did further study in a bit of um, ego state therapy, which is very interesting. And, and that's more to do with the personality is made up of parts. So, and, and then I, you know, discovered Buddhism. You know, like healers are known as for channeling. But a lot of artists, poets included, and people who write um, uh, or do some sort of artwork or when they're creative or if they're acting or whatever, sometimes they're channeling. And that's a good thing. That's what's supposed to happen. Robin, I remember reading, read, listening to this um, interview that Robin Williams did with Oprah Winfrey, and he was talking about that when you channel, you're just being in a state of intuitively receiving the messages, and that includes when people do healing work. So that must be very powerful because you, you may not even know where the messages are coming from. Yeah, yeah. It's just, yeah, I, I think the messages are... They're from nature, and um, but everyone would have a different take on on the message. They would see it in a different way. So if there were five different poets, and they were were all on trams observing the people on the tram, they would have different poems that were that you know came out of that. But that's my choice to write it in that way. Have you, you were mentioning before that you'd published? Um, yeah, I'm part of the Bayside Writers Group. We 
publish a book every year with I've contributed this year five five of my poems in a book of 45. So how does the Bayside Poetry Group work? They all get together and they meet and they um, decide, well, we're going to write some poems. Physically meet? Yeah. Yeah. And then they just decide to, yeah, publish a book every year. How can people find the book? They can contact me through Rose's Reiki Massage. I was interested in, uh, if you have just a little bit more time, I was interested in, in, you said, ego state therapy. Yes. Uh, it's not something I've heard of before. What, right. what, what does that involve? Yeah. Ego state therapy is a parts therapy. So the person is made up of parts of themselves and they're developed, they've been created in the mind to deal with particular situations. So then, for instance, there's a part of a person that is has a bad habit um, for instance, they should be working when they're, instead of doing that, they're watching television or whatever, or, or there's another part that's been traumatised because they've either dealt with trauma in some way and then we have coping mechanisms. So when you, so ego state therapy is when you deal with the, pers- with the part of the person that has the issue rather than the intellectual part of the person because then they can take a very long time when you're just intellectually working with the person. That's not the part of the, that's got the problem. That's how people can function in this world is because, because we have coping mechanisms. It's like having a toolbox. Then you create something from the toolbox and you create it in your mind to behave a particular way. But sometimes the traumatised state is still there. It just sometimes it's dormant and then it may show itself in through behaviour that doesn't really serve the person. So in the therapy you're working on that particular behaviour or ego state? Yes, rather that than, part of them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because the other... The parts can actually talk to themselves and it's like having a negotiation of, you know, allowing the one that's been traumatised to find closure and the other ego states can, you know, help the other one, help that traumatised one. (laughs) There's no harm in letting go. Actually, there's power in letting go. I was saying that to a client only yesterday. The magic is when you let go. <laughs> you know, like there are so many people that are that repress their emotions. Obviously, it's good to express your emotions appropriately and at the right time. But there is power in vulnerability and 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 letting go. It's like a cleansing, and then things can open up for a person more then the shift happens when you let go. The healing happens. And the great art happens. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you so much, Brendan, for having me here. This has been the Spoken Word Show on 3CR Community Radio. Please tune in every week at 9am on Thursday. 
As always, a podcast of today's program will be available on our website, 3cr.org.au forward slash spoken dash word. And we'll pop some links on there so you can contact the poets you have heard from today. Also, as always, if you would like to contribute some of your own work to the show, please do reach out via the website. My name is Brendan Bonsack. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.